Hello guys, my name is Jake from the MMA Weekly Podcast and this marks the 7th episode of the MMA Weekly Podcast. As I just said, um, this is directly a day after my last episode. Uh, yesterday's episode was a bit crazy, it was a bit, um, it was just a bit all over the place really. So uh, I have this one layered out, it's going to be, uh, you know, at the same length, like um, 30 to 35 minutes. Uh, as I normally do, so, uh, yeah, before I start this video, I want to give a huge shout out again to Hingsta, who has, uh, just, he has put so much support on this podcast, and it, it's unreal, I am so incredibly grateful, so, if you're on MMA Amino, go like all his stuff, um, just follow him, join his fan club, you know, just, yeah, if you are on MMA Amino also, make sure to uh, follow me at Jakey uh, MMA and to join the MMA Weekly uh, question room uh, where you can leave topics and questions you'd like me to answer on the podcast. So uh, today I actually have some topics uh, written down and um, yeah, let's just jump straight into them. So the first one actually comes from Hingsta and... Um, you know, this is this just shows how much uh, support he has. And I have him written down on a document here. But I'll read him out straight from the chat. And uh, all you have to do is you just have to leave um, your question, your topic that you'd like me to talk about. Um, I will be doing viewer questions on Fridays from now on. So you have uh, a while to send them in. Uh, but now let's get into Hinks' topic. And... Uh, he says, uh, due to the constant altering of the unified rules uh, state to state, how do you think this can be resolved due to uh, different commissions being stricter than other ones? Now, um, this is one that I did actually want to talk about, and I think I was I was going to mention it yesterday, but I thought I'd save it for today. Um, within the last year or two, the MMA commissions have had two different sets of rules. Uh, the unified ABC rules, which I think are the new ones, I may be wrong, and then uh, there's the older set of rules. Uh, we'll just call them new and old because I can't be bothered to learn them. But anyway, um, the biggest, uh, the two biggest offenders that change these rules are um, probably a less significant one is having your fingers. Uh, pointed to your opponent so when your fingers are coming out through the glove and they're pointed directly at your opponent's face under the new rules that is a foul um it is now a foul to help to uh, prevent eye pokes which is completely understandable i know there's a lot of guys uh, specifically john jones that use that technique um and purposely poke people in the eyes and that's um you know i completely understand why that's foul the less, or no, sorry, the uh, the more controversial and the more talked about one is under the new rule set. If a fighter, it's the new. I have no idea what I'm saying. Under the old rule set, uh, it is absolutely illegal to kick or to knee a downed opponent. If a fighter even has one finger 
touching uh, the canvas, it is 100% illegal to knee them or to kick them in the head. Under the new rule set, uh, it, as it is worded here, uh, this is from MMAmania.com, which is a great website that uh, provide a lot of MMA news, and they state it as, A grounded fire is defined as any part of the body other than a single hand and feet touching the fighting area floor. To be grounded, both hands and feet, uh, palm or fist down, and or any other body part must be touching the fighting area floor. At this time, uh, knees or kicks to the head will not be allowed. So basically what that means is, to be considered as a downed opponent, you must have all four limbs touching the ground. Um, I remember one of the most controversial ones uh, about under, under that rule was, I believe it was Wyburn versus Musassi. And that knee was actually deemed legal because uh, Weidman, w- one of Weidman's hands was actually, uh, you know, it was off the ground. So that was considered a legal knee. So, you know, it's brought a lot of controversy. Um, another memorable one. Um, no, sorry, that wasn't actually, I was going to say uh, Alex Oliveira versus Tim Means. Uh, but that was a fight happened before the infight rules. But uh, I went completely off the actual topic of it, and uh, Hinksa asked, how do I think that this can be solved because so many commissions are stricter than others? And I think the only way to really solve it is to come up with a new set of rules that can apply to all, that applies to all commissions. I think all the commissions should come together and they should create a new rule set defining, uh, you know, clearing up the issues about knees to a downed opponent. Um, extended finger. I don't really have a problem with the extended fingers one. I know people who do, and I don't really get it uh, why they have a problem with that, but um, I don't know. But yeah, I think the only way for this really to be solved is for all the commissions to actually come together and to say, look, I don't think that should be legal, and then another commission said, no, I think it should be legal. And eventually, if they're there for long enough, um, they'll come out with a like the actual unified rules of MMA, and I think that's really the only way to settle it. So, thank you, um, Hingster, for that topic. You're an absolute legend, and um, I mean, keep, keep the questions and, and, and the topics coming, man. The next topic I wanted to discuss, uh, it's quite a controversial one, and I was, again, I was going to mention it in yesterday's episode, but I thought I'd save it for this one, and that is verbal tapping. And I know on the surface that sounds like a really weird topic to talk about on an MMA podcast, but verbal tapping is very controversial, uh, considering that it was part of uh, the UFC London card. Um it happened uh, when Danny Roberts lost to uh, Claudio Silva by verbal tap. Uh, Silva had Roberts in an armbar, and according to the referee, um, Roberts verbally tapped. And I seen uh, Big John McCarthy, probably the goat of all refs, uh, speaking about it online. And actually, I'll I'll pull up the uh, the quote from him. 
Uh, so on his Twitter, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, on his Twitter, Big John, he said, a scream of pain is to be considered a verbal tap by the referee, but it must be a scream. Uh, I used to tell fighters all the time that I would let you grunt, groan, or summon the gods of stupid strength with an ah, but uh, don't scream out like you just turned into an eight-year-old. And I completely agree with him. I, I, there's no other way of saying it. I think if it's loud enough for it, if you can, if it's audible to the production crew and to the commentators and to the referee, if it's loud enough and you actually sound like you're in pain, I think the referee has every right to step in. When I watched the Roberts Silva fight, I didn't re, I didn't, I honestly didn't hear Roberts, um, screaming at all. I didn't hear anything really. Verbal taps really aren't that common in MMA, but when they happen, uh, pe- people know. I think one of the most famous instances of a verbal tap that gets overlooked a lot is uh, Benson Henderson versus Anthony Pettis, uh, the rematch uh, for the for the world title. Uh, again, Pet, uh, this is Tunerona. Um, Pettis had Henderson in an armbar, and uh, Henderson verbally tapped, and. Pettis was the world champion. It was it was as simple as that. Um, Henderson did not physically tap; he verbally tapped. Because a lot of the time, uh, in whatever uh, position or submission you're in, uh, sometimes your hands or your feet, uh, like you you can tap with your foot. You tap with your foot three times. I know that's in uh, jujitsu, and I know a lot of MMA fighters do it. But when your hands and feet are trapped, um, you you have to say tap. You have to scream out in pain. Um, and I think, I think, uh, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to see Roberts, I'd like to see that, that victory get overturned because I did kind of have a problem with it. I was kind of annoyed by it. And, yeah. And yeah, I, uh, the, there was a comment on that post, uh, from at SCFAC, um, and, uh, he says, uh, I feel like if it was a proper screen, we'd uh, have heard it on TV. And that is an opinion that I agree with. So uh, shout out to that guy. Go follow him on Twitter. Unless he's a complete asshole. I'm not sure. The next one I wanted to bring up uh, kind of relates into uh, the, the fight card this weekend. Uh, Anthony Pettis is moving up to £170 to take on Stephen Thompson. Uh, it's a five-round main event from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm super excited about that fight, but, um, you know, I will be giving my predictions and my analysis that on Friday, so do not miss that episode, it is going to be a good one, uh, but the reason that I bring up Pettis is because, and I wrote down just on a document here, Pettis, is he insane? And my answer is yes, and the reason I say that is because, um, I was watching uh, an MMA Digest video. Uh, MMA Digest is a brilliant uh, YouTube MMA channel, and he posts some of the some of the best videos online. So uh, go subscribe to him. Anyway, uh, like I was saying, I was watching that video, and he pointed out this this will be Pet's third weight class in three years, and I was really thinking about that. And I was I mentioned it in yesterday's video that Pet is no longer fighting to be the best in the world, he's not fighting for the belt, he's not fighting to, he's not fighting to be the best, he's fighting out there for the fans at this point, 
who knows? It might not even be for the fans. It might be for the money. And I, I don't think Pettis is that way. Um, I don't think he's all about the money. I think he he loves to put on a great show for the fans. But I've seen a lot of people accusing him of saying, yeah, uh, it's not that Wonder Boy's a, a money fight or anything, but he's going around taking these massive fights with Ferguson and Wonder Boy, and you know he's just he's been all over the place lately. And, yeah, uh, I mean, Wonderboy Thompson is, um, he's he's one of my favourite fighters, I really love his style, I was, I was a huge fan of him, um, about three years ago, um, you know, I kind of lost a bit on him, uh, recently, uh, because of the whole Darren Till situation, and how he said that the oblique kick should be banned, which I will actually be talking about later on in the show. But Pettis taking a fight with him is, well, um, I think it's probably one of the stupidest moves of his career. Because I believe it's going to be an incredible fight. And I think that Wonderboy will beat him. And I think he's going to beat him soundly. But I just don't get Pettis' reasoning as to taking this fight. If he wants to go out and he wants to uh, get a bit of money in his pocket and to have a crazy fight, I don't know, fight Donald Cerrone. Fight Cowboy. I mean, that, that'd that be that'd be a great fight. He already holds a win over him. Cowboy's now back at 55. So, I think, do that. Don't move up to 170 and fight one of the best fighters in that division. Like, I get... I don't think Pettis has a future at 170. I don't. I think this is a one-time thing. He's going to realise that the guys up a welterweight are just so much bigger than him. Like, less than three years ago, Pettis was fighting as a featherweight for the featherweight interim title. You got welterweights now who are so much bigger than they were a few years ago. You got guys like Darren Till, who is essentially a, a light heavyweight by by natural standards. Uh, you got Kamara Usman. You got Tyron Woodley. You got Wonderboy. Wonderboy is... He's never really been thought of as a, as a big welterweight, but compared to Pettis, he looks huge. And I don't mean to disrespect Pettis in any way by this. I don't want all the Pettis fanboys coming to me. I think that this this just wasn't a smart move from him. I, um, you know, I hope that I hope that he does well because I w- I was a huge fan of Pettis. I kind of faded away because there was just something about him that seemed a bit douchey. I don't know. Um, there was just something about him in the last few years that just screamed douchey to me. You know, I hope Pet is the best in, in the future. I truly do. And, um, you know, we'll we'll see what goes on in, on Saturday night. And that's that's it, really. Yeah, like I said a few minutes ago, uh, which is my next topic, and they're oblique kicks. And oblique kicks have been heavily criticised in the past. If you don't know what an oblique kick is, it is a kick that's usually thrown sideways, or it's thrown out, and it's intended to land uh, with the, the the ball of your foot, or your heel, or the middle of your foot. And what what it is is it targets the knee of your opponent, and the knee is one of the most dangerous places to injure or to be hit in combat sports, or just in general, because if you blow out your your ACL or your MCL or you tear your meniscus, 
you're in serious trouble. Someone who, um, I think he invented uh, the oblique kick was John Jones. And it was, uh, it was the term oblique kick was coined by uh, the UFC's commentator Joe Rogan. And the kick, the point of the kick is to, uh, is to hyperextend your opponent's knee with your foot. And it's highly criticised because of the extreme danger of it. One of uh, the biggest, um, the per- a person that speaks a lot about it is Quentin Rampage Jackson. And um, he thinks that the kick should be illegal because it causes so much damage. And another one was uh, Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, because in his fight with Darren Till, Till hit him with a leg kick early, uh, early on in the fight. And Wonderboy's game is primarily based around movement. And when you hurt your knee, your movement is completely gone. And I've been asked a lot about this in the past. Uh, if I think they should be illegal, uh, if I think the people just need to get over it, and my honest opinion is, I have no problem with them. I use the oblique kick an awful lot in training. It's not the it's not the safest kick to throw, but I've used it so much that it's actually my instinct. When someone comes rushing towards me, I I kick for the leg. Yes, it is extremely dangerous, and it can hurt fighters. Uh, in a um, in a massive sense, in that um, if they if it's the first five seconds of the fight and they get caught uh, with no with uh, a kick to the knee and it busts something in their leg, they're probably not going to win that fight. It's 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 a really tough situation. But how is that any better or any worse than getting kicked in the head? By a steroid-infused John Jones. I mean, which one would you rather? Would you rather get kicked in the knee by a steroid-infused John Jones or get kicked in the head by him? And you can you can leave that in the comments. Yes, having a limp for the rest of your life, if it's that severe, is absolutely going to suck. But I think brain damage will be worse. I think oblique kicks are such a common thing of MMA and a lot of people aren't complaining about them as much these days. I think um, people just need to accept it. So many fighters use them these days as just a, a natural instinct. Um, I know someone who uses it a lot is uh, McGregor. And I know he doesn't kick for the legs a lot, and even when he does, it's a it's a traditional Muay Thai low kick. But um, like if you watch his fight with Aldo, he throws like a very weak oblique kick, and it's it's a nice distraction as well. It's, I think it's a very good technique to have. So, in conclusion, I think that people just need to accept it as a technique. Sorry if my voice is going now. I've, um, I actually have a bit of a cold on me, but I'll power through. So, uh, the next topic uh, that I'm going to talk about is actually Al Quinta. And I just wanted to mention him because um, a lot of people have been talking about him. Uh, ever since, ever since, uh, probably this time last year, uh, it's about 11 months at this point, uh, ever since he fought Khabib. And uh, I always thought Aya Quinta was a bit of a dark horse. I didn't really like him, I thought he was a bit long, he was a bit too Long Island for me. No offence to many people from New York. Uh, but 
I mean, he has surged into the top five of uh, the division after he beat Kevin Lee. And to any of you that know me, who fo- who follow me on Twitter, or who are on the MMA Amino app, you probably know that I hate Kevin Lee, and I hate Kevin Lee with a passion. However, I thought that Kevin Lee actually won that fight. It's insane, but I think that Lee actually won that fight. Uh, the first time I watched it, at least, uh, I was expecting Lee to win. However, I wanted Iaquinta to win. So much. Um, I haven't watched the fight back, and I think I probably should have uh, before I led uh, with this part of the discussion, but screw it, there's no going back. Uh, Quinta has said that uh, he wants his next fight to be in June, and the only card that I can think of that's on in June uh, that he'd probably want to be on, I know the Stockholm card is on in June, but I doubt that he'd want to be on that. Uh, so I think the only one he'd probably want to be on is the UFC 238 card, which is in uh, Chicago. And I think the only fight confirmed for that card so far... Uh, no, sorry, there, there's two fights confirmed for it. Um, Valentina Shevchenko is defending her title against Jessica Ai. And Tatiana Suarez is fighting Nina Ansarov. Um, so whatever fight that Ai Quint is in will probably end up being the co-main event. Unless he somehow ends up in a world title fight in the next uh, two or three months, I don't think that uh, he'll be headlining that card. I know that Dana White was speaking at UFC 235, and he said that uh, the, the UFC was uh, looking to do Cowboy versus Iaquinta uh, because the Cowboy versus uh, McGregor fight fell through. And I was looking forward to the Cowboy McGregor fight. Um, I thought that it would, uh, thought it would do really well. I thought that it might end up being the main event. Um, I'm actually I'm going to be discussing that uh, the whole co-main event McGregor situation on Friday. If you um, if you're interested in in that, um, the Cerrone Quinta matchup. It's actually tougher to pick than I thought it would be. Um, yeah, I originally thought Cowboy would win, but I think Iaquinta has a good chance of winning. Yeah, I thought I think Iaquinta has a good chance of beating him. I think he's one of the biggest dark horses in the lightweight division. Um, you know, he's he's quite outspoken. He's quite brash uh, when he wants to be, but I think he's a lot. A lot of people aren't believing in him. You know, I've become a, a bit of a, an Iaquinta fan over the last few months, and. I hope that he does well in the division, uh, in the division that is so incredibly stacked right now uh, between, you know, uh, the Khabib and Ferguson controversy, Ferguson on his own and all of his controversy, uh, the Holloway and Poirier situation, GSP's retirement and saying that uh, the Khabib fight is why he retired. McGregor being arrested, the McGregor coming event situation, uh, Kevin Lee versus Gregor Gillespie, Kevin Lee versus um, freaking uh, Islam Makachev, that whole situation right now. You know, lightweight has always been one of the toughest divisions to be a contender in, and over the last few years, actually, no, the, the lightweight division has been good over the last few years. But the title picture is a complete mess. 
I think probably the fight that I'm looking forward to uh, the most in in the lightweight division. Um, well, first of all, it's Poirier uh, versus Holloway because I am so excited for that fight. Uh, the one that's not a title fight uh, would have to be Barbosa versus Gaethje, which actually leads me on to my next topic. Uh, this is actually it's a bit of a smaller segment, and um, I I'm, don't tend to linger on it for too long. I uh, posted uh, I actually I linked a post on MMA Amino the other day. Uh, I th- I believe it was a post from MMAfighting.com, and for their uh, daily debate. They asked, uh, which non-title headliner are you looking forward to most in the in the next month or so? And, um, you know, I think I probably have to say Gaethje versus Barboza, just because that fight is going to be so good. And I, I see people saying, like, the fight's going to be a dud because they respect each other so much, and Gaethje has toned down his uh, his, his pride... A little bit his ego to to fight, and Barboza will start fighting smart again. But I honestly don't see. It. I think when they both go in there, they're going to start swinging leather at each other, and the most importantly, they're going to start leg kicking each other. I cannot explain to you how excited I am for the leg kicks. Uh, like I said earlier, Wonderboy versus Pettis, I'm excited for that fight. Um. Yeah, but I think it's going to be a bit one-sided for Wonderboy, so I'm not as excited. I think um, after uh, Poirier versus Holloway 2 is uh, Volkov versus Overeem. I'm not sure. Let, let me just uh, double-check that one. Uh, yes, after that on uh, April 20th in St. Petersburg, Russia, uh, it's Volkov versus Overeem. I think that's what I said before anyway, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, Volkov versus Overeem. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, not actually, I'm surprised that I'm not as excited for that fight because I'm a big Volkov fan. Um, I'm not a fan of Overeem. I, I mean, I like the way he fights. And, you know, I commend his dedication to fighting, fighting this long into his career. Um, especially now that he's in the uh, the post-USADA era. Um, you know, I think it's probably going to be a good fight. But after that, I'm actually I'm quite excited for the fight. Romero versus Jacare too. That's a fight I'm excited for. It was meant to be Romero versus Costa, but according to Romero and his management, Costa failed a drug test, which I don't think anybody was surprised about. Man's urine samples probably could have caused a, a radioactive explosion in in the USADA lab, so I don't think anybody was really uh, surprised by that one. Uh, but anyway, Jacare took his place, and uh, now they're rematching. In the original fight, um, Romero won by split decision, but he failed a drug test a- afterwards. Surprisingly enough, uh, the fight wasn't overturned because Romero failed. Or drug test that was taken after the fight, so it couldn't have really affected his outcome. Uh, but I mean, when you look at Yoel Romero, the first thing that pops into your head is that man is four years old, and he looks like that. And then coming off that, a little chain off that is that man is on steroids. So, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for that fight. Uh, the original fight, uh, I scored it 
29-28 to Jacare. I think I did, I'm not sure. Um, or maybe, did I have it as a draw or something? I don't remember. Um, actually, I'll need to watch that fight again uh, to see if the outcome is different now because, you know, every fight, when I go back and look at it lately, it seems to have a different outcome than what I think, what, to what I thought it did. Because MMA fans, they're able to, they get they get smarter in, in a sense. Okay, let, let me explain. With each fight you watch, you learn some a little bit more about MMA and you know how to analyse it more. And I think that's why Dominic Cruz is uh, he's such a good analyst now. Because he was injured so badly. Um, he spent all of his time watching fights as a Fox analyst. And now as an ESPN analyst, he understands fighting a lot better than we do. So yeah, um, I'm going to watch that fight again. But Romero vs. Jacare, I'm very excited for that fight. So overall, I'd probably have to say Barboza vs. Gaethje. Uh, I think that fight's in Philly, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yep, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, that's one that I'm excited for. And uh, plus the main character gets starting at 11pm my time. Uh, so I'm quite excited for that because I, that has not happened in years. And just to close uh, this episode off, um, just uh, the Ariel Hilwani uh, MMA show is going on right now, which is um, it's probably the the most famous one online right now. Um, and you know, I I, I originally I was gonna. Uh, cover some of the stars of that and I was going to wait to post it until uh, tomorrow uh, uh, this uh, episode now I was going to record it tomorrow and post it but I said you know what screw it I'll go with it so I'm actually now I am going to uh, answer a question and uh, this isn't directed towards me at all this is just on MMA Twitter and it comes from uh, Keon Kimura who is a brilliant uh, he, he he's an absolutely he has a brilliant podcast and uh, a great Twitter page as well and he posts a lot of great questions and he asks uh, who's your pick for this four man featherweight tournament for the belt and uh, the tournament is between Aldo uh, Volkanovski Ortega and Zabi and if I'm being completely honest I'm gonna say Ortega because um, if we talk about it, the matchups that uh, they're in uh, right now uh, in the uh, in the bracket itself, it's Aldo versus Volkanovski and Ortega versus a beat. And I know Ortega versus a beat is being worked on. Um, that's what I'm hearing anyway. And Aldo versus Volkanovski is happening. And I think I think Aldo probably beats Volkanovski. I know that's a bit of an unpopular opinion. I do see Volkanovski beating him as well. Uh, I think that, that that's actually a tough matchup. I'll uh, talk more about that in Friday's episode. But um, I think Ortega beats Zabi. I think actually, and I'm gonna I'm gonna actually I'm gonna go full in depth on that on Friday. Zabi is overrated. You can come at me and I will argue, but I'm gonna post it in Friday's episode. That's what. The majority of it is going to be about, I'm going to answer viewer questions, I am going to talk about all the stuff I said I was going to talk about earlier, and how Zabi is a bit overrated. So, I think Ortega 
in a fight between Ortega and Aldo in the finals of that four-man tourney, uh, I think Ortega wins. So, you know, this might end up happening, you know, not as an actual tournament, but, uh, like, in a manner of speaking. And uh, should Max drop the 45-pound belt, I think this could absolutely happen. And, yeah. So, thank you all for listening to this episode of uh, MMA Weekly with me, Jake. Uh, make sure to like this, uh, leave some feedback on it, uh, because I really do, I love seeing uh, your guys' comments on it, because it really, it just, it makes my day. It it does. You know, if you disagree with me on any of my opinions here, please be sure to roast me, because I am willing to have a rational debate, not an argument. Rational debate. So, uh, thank you guys for listening, and until next time, farewell.